No, I meant like for your, you'll hold it. Oh. Hi, thank you. Um, thank you, Cindy. Okay. So during this, I'd like you all to just pray that I can keep it together. That's what I'm... Um, like Megan, I'm Catholic, so standing in front of you talking is whoa, a little bit terrifying. Um, uh, a few years ago through BSF, our leader had talked about service. And when you are asked to do something, to really pray about it and see where you're led in your life. Um, so when Pete, I received the email, the terrifying email, I knew that... <laughs> I knew that, okay, it was a direct ask, so maybe this was more than the email blast from school asking me to be a part of PTO. It was a true God moment, and that's where I'm trying to be, uh, I'm trying to listen for those God moments in my life. So I said yes, then my children were home forever over break, and they never left me. <laughs> so the prep was a little weak, but... Um, Obviously, it's my story, so I should know it fairly well, but um, I just, when you look at how God has, has changed you in your life, or those God moments you've had in your life, if you take a minute, or five, or 25, what's amazing is most of us can say, where wasn't he in my life? Whether you were blessed enough to be born into a Christian family, or maybe you weren't born into a Christian family and you found Christ on your own. Or maybe you're still trying to find and that's why you're here. But I was blessed to be born into a Christian family. Um, I'm the youngest of seven, large Catholic family, only girl. Explains a lot about my personality. Um, uh, but God gave me that. And I was raised to go to church on Sunday and CCD. And, but God was in a box because... In our family, it was what we talked about at church, but I never really talked to him at home. And that's not a bad thing. It's just the way I was raised. And then I was also blessed because then middle school comes and you kind of become your own person. And super blessed because of Pete, Lynn, Dan, Dave, Joe, Jeff, all these amazing youth ministers that were willing to give their time to stand up and be silly and dance and praise God and all of a sudden, we were all like, this is kind of fun. I kind of get it. It became where you wanted to go on a, Friday, on a Sunday night. Why do homework when you can go dance and sing? Praise God, you know? So God was kind of in a box, but he was becoming a little more real in my life. So then fast forward, college years, kind of scary. Everybody kind of, God's in a box, you know? You never know where that's going to go. Um, but I was lucky enough to go to Colorado as a counselor um, and with a youth group in a scenario similar to this, um, similar to Raleigh, God is everywhere when you're outside and when you're in the mountains. And I just remember hiking to the cross and being a part of it and going, this is where maybe God isn't in a box. Maybe he's everywhere. And I kind of started keeping the box open. He doesn't need to be in the living room where you vacuum all the time. I really kind of wanted to have him out of the box. So that's kind of where I kept him. And then fast forward, God has a sense of humor. So I was lucky enough to meet my husband at the Basilica block party. I was on church property. So we like saying that we met at church. Um, everybody needs a good story. Um, so life is good. 
you know, I'm married. I, I'm excited to have a family. We were um, blessed to have our first. Grace was born. And we realized that having kids is a lot harder than you think it's going to be, both conceiving, raising, the whole thing. Um, so we were blessed with Grace. I was excited to have another. Um, it just wasn't happening as fast as Katie's clock was working, you know. Um, that's where God's time is all about, it's, you know, what happened to my time? Uh, but la, we did go through fertility, and that process kind of freaked me out a little bit, but we got a beautiful Abby out of it, so it was worth it. And that's when I said, you know what? I have two beautiful children. If this is my life, I am thankful. We have our family. We have a great faith community. Our parish was wonderful. And we had friends. Life was good. Uh, and then, surprise, surprise, God brought us Christina, Christina in 2005. And her name is Christina. And I tell her all the time that she's named after Christ. You've got like the best story ever. I mean, most people are like, how did you come up with your kids' names? Everybody has an acronym. Um, get, art, cat, ant. By the way, by the time you have your fourth, you have to make a word. So you're naming your fourth child and it's, you've got to think about it. But um, Christina was named Christina because um, it was my first year in a discipleship group at CPC. And I was really kind of taking God out of the box. And I was so surprised to all of a sudden just get pregnant on my own and not have to stress about it that she was a gift. And she was such an easy ba baby that I think we would fight over who would take her and who would take the older two. It was like, hey, I've got to run errands. That's fine. I'll take the baby. Um, but she was an absolute gift and joy. Um, in six weeks after she was born, um, it was my mom's 70th birthday. And she had been fabulous enough to come and spend three weeks with us while we attempted to be outmanned by children. And so she had just returned to Arizona. And my brothers and I were all emailing, trying to figure out what we could do to surprise her for her 70th birthday. We knew that everybody had too many kids, that we couldn't all emerge on Arizona and attempt to do that with multiple ages and children, and it'd be chaos. So we decided, okay, we'll all go and surprise her. I just brought Christina because she was a baby. So we surprised my mom, and I got to have a long weekend with all my brothers and my newest baby and my parents, and that was such a gift. I say that because within a week, my brother, okay, pray, my brother um, David um, passed away. He, he collapsed of a pulmonary embolism. And by the time I knew he was in the hospital, he was gone. Pray. But that was, um, that was a moment in our lives that we were just blown as a family because he was the athletic one. I mean, not, we all played sports, but he was ridiculously fit, did the 100-mile bike rides, ridge to ridge, complete outdoorsman. Um, he'd had to have uh, orthoscopic surgery and evidently had blown a clot while he, and had no idea. While we were in Arizona, he was complaining of a chest cold. And we didn't know it at the time, but he was bleeding internally. 
And he was the only one that I don't have a picture with holding Christina because he thought, you know, I'm sick. I don't want to hold a baby. And, um, but I thank God for that time. The fact that we were all, I mean, I had a newborn, so I wasn't really woohoo, but we all just camped in my parents' living room and cooked and played cribbage and told stories. And David plays the violin, so he played the violin and we just did nothing. And that is the best nothing weekend. Those are the moments that God is giving you to love each other and remember each other. So God was so outside of the box. And I look at the time after and dealing with his grief, and I look at how God held me and what a gift Christina was, because unlike Grace and Abby, who were complete gifts in my life, they were at an age where they left and went to preschool and kindergarten. And Christina just laid there and needed me to just hold her and love on her, and that made me get up every day. And I needed that. I needed just someone to need me in a, a really light way. <laughs> and and a, just look at me and hold me and feed me and love me, and that's, that, I could, that got me out of bed every day. So we were dealing with the grief of my brother, and uh, I'm not sure how much time passed, but we kind of held it together. And I remember all of a sudden seeing my family and my parents I remember leaving the funeral and having an opportunity to speak at my brother's funeral and knowing I didn't want to stand up there and talk. This is not my happy space. Um, but knowing that I had to say something, not only for myself, but for him, because he, he lived the dash and I wanted to speak about the dash. And he had two kids and all these nieces and nephews that were all there. And I just needed to talk about what a great guy he was and what a good brother he was. And I remember afterwards talking with another sibling and he's like, I don't know how you stood there. I'm like, that's where God helps you. I'm like, I don't have the strength to do half of what I do. But when it's hard, my God's got to be out of the box. I need to lock it around my neck and I need him to give me the strength to stand up here and do this and to tell these children where their dad's going and talk about heaven and talk about the next places he'll go. And that's where the strength that God gives you is so much powerful than anything you can find anywhere else. Um, so we recovered from, uh, recovered, bad word. Um, so as we moved forward, then God threw us another loop. We found out we were having Audrey. Um, they're ridiculously close in age. Uh, uh, but again, God has a plan. And he knew they would need each other in the future. Um, and we would need to have them have each other. Uh, Audrey was three weeks old when she had a really high fever, and we didn't know what was happening, but went into children's. Fourth child, you're like, oh, it's just a temp, no big deal. I called, oh my gosh, you have to bring it to the children's. So we 
stayed at Children's for six days. And I look at that time living in the hospital for six days just with a mysterious bacterial infection that ended up clearing itself, praise God, um, as a little foreshadowing of what was to come. Uh, then we got home. <laughs> I'll admit that first year of Audrey's life, a little bit of a blur. I had a baby and a one-year-old, but and, as well as a four-year-old and a six-year-old. But uh, life was good. We were figuring it out. A lot of little girls, a lot of pink. Um, then we were getting ready to celebrate Audrey's first birthday. It became such a celebration because Scott and I knew this was our last first birthday party. And she was a June birthday, so we kind of invited over the whole neighborhood and had the backyard party. And it was just a beautiful night and a, a beautiful night with friends and family. And I look at, again at that night and I, it was so great. But the, those moments that you have and you don't even realize how great they are, and it was two days later that our second daughter was injured in a kiddie pool. And again, it was a glorious summer night. We decided to go to the pool. And Abby was stuck on the drain on the bottom of the kiddie pool, 18 inches of water. Uh, it was a miracle. Where was God? He was everywhere when we were asked after. Um, no one understood how she got off the bottom of the pool. It was a miracle. No one understand how she didn't bleed out at the pool. Um, it was a miracle. I have a clotting disorder, which put me on blood thinners for all of my pregnancies, caused my brother to have pulmonary embolism. I lost him, and it saved my daughter's life on the side of a pool. Where's God? He's everywhere. <laughs> um, so we got to the hospital. We had no idea what had happened. I remember Scott and I sitting. We were told, you know what? It's probably just a rectal tear. We're going to go into surgery for an hour. We'll be back and talk to you. That was at 9 p.m. At 4 in the morning, Scott and I were the only people in the waiting room. It was dark. The hospital corridors were dark. At that point, we were both on the ground just praying, like, no one's even told us anything. Like, where is everybody? Uh, and I think probably the worst moment for both of us was watching Dr. Feltus and Father Joe turn the corner. No one ever wants to see a priest turn the corner. Um, and the first thing Dr. Feltus said is, she's alive. And I think we were both like, oh. Um, and what's amazing is she was alive. And when we found out what had happened to her, it was even more, like, surreal. Uh, she had lost all of her um, large bowel, her entire large intestine. And, and she was, I mean, she was talking in the ambulance. And that's where I just, I don't even understand how that, how that can happen. Um, but it's not for me to understand. <sighs> Um, I, I look at days later, we were, excuse me, days later we were talking to Abby and we said, how did you get off the drain, honey? Could anybody Sorry. Um, <laughs> thank you. 
I don't even care what she is. We're good. Um, thank you. Um, how did you get off the drain? And she said, Mom, Jesus had one hand and Uncle David had the other. And that's where I'm like, our children are just amazing. Um, they, they, I think after my brother had passed, she and Abby and Grace shared a room. And so, you know, you close girls in a room and they're talking. We just went to bed, you know, let them talk. And Grace would say, we talked about heaven all the time after David died. And so um, they, they had a whole different perspective and preparation that with David passing a year prior, they had had a conversation that we wouldn't have had in our household. So do I think that that's something I wanted to happen? No. Do I think that it prepared us in a different way? A hundred percent. Um, Abby's time at Children's, she was in Children's for 30 days. During that time, um, the doctors would joke that they didn't understand. Like, does she not understand what happened to her body? Because she was sitting up in bed <laughs> playing Polly Pockets, like, woo! Um, she asked, they wanted to do physical therapy and she didn't want to sit on a bouncy ball. She was like, can I ride a bike? They were like, what? Um, because she's hooked up to an IV. Um, 22 hours a day, she is receiving, she had a central line Hickman put in. The end of her body ended at her stomach. And so she couldn't eat anything. Everything went through um, uh, TPN. You don't want to know all that. Anyway, um, but what's amazing is I look at the fact that she didn't want to be sick. She wanted to get up and ride a bike. And when I asked, they said, sure. I just had to run alongside her with the IV pole. That's fine. That's fine. I can do that. Um, so after 30 days at Children's and a lot of prep as to how to care for her, they sent us home. And we got to be a family again for six weeks. We knew we had to go back into the hospital in September. And I say that's when they jerry-rigged her. Probably not very kind. But um, when you were missing a part, they kind of went around it. So they reconnected her stomach to her rectum and just kind of bypassed it and tried that. Um, but they had told us early on that life without a large bowel is not really an option. So we just could try to heal her body as best we could and prepare for a transplant. Of course, I'm, my, I'm the mom. I'm the hopeful cheerleader. So uh, we were going to do that for 10 years. Medicine was going to figure out how to do a small bowel transplant just a little bit better, and that was going to work out great. You know, that's my job. Um, that didn't really work. Um, by the time she went back to school, she was lucky enough to go back to school in September. And um, I look at that time. When she got on the bus the first day of school, she had to be with a nurse all the time uh, to go to school. And she got off the bus the first day, and um, she said, Mom we need to talk to the principal. I said, oh, no. And she said, everybody's looking at me funny. You have to know at this time, Abby was very jaundiced. So her eyes were yellow, her skin was yellowish green. And she said, everybody's looking at me and I don't really like it. So within two days, we had one, one grade at a time. We went to Concord 
and she talked to children, and she stood up in front of them with the principal and said, you know, I'm the same kid who left kindergarten last year. I just look different. And just because my skin's a different color, you shouldn't treat me any different. So stop staring at me, it hurts my feelings. And I sat there like, I mean, I, my daughter told me to take the poncho off, you know? <laughs> my 14-year-old's like, it's not a good look. I said, honey, I'm wearing the poncho because I nursed every one of you under it. <laughs> this is love right here. Um, but here she is at six years old, and God has given her more to stand in front of us and teach us than I could have. I didn't, I didn't give her that. I did my best. But that's not something you get from yourself. That kind of character is something God gives you. And she taught us, not only through her journey and her um, attempted recovery, more in the time we had with her than I look at her whole lifespan. And it's not that your children don't teach you all the time, but maybe you're not listening. Um, but I would look at the last seven months I had with her and what I learned from her and from God and from Scripture because that was my lifeline. If any of you have ever gone on a silent retreat, that was pretty much how my last three and a half months were with Abby. We were blessed enough to be offered the gift of life. She, um, we were called for transplant on December 15th. It's really hard to go, yay, when you know that a family is grieving. They have just lost a 40-pound child. The only way my child can get a transplant is if a 40-pound child with the right blood type, and it's not and a blunt head trauma, because we needed everything here. So it's hard to go, yay, we have hope, when you know that someone else has lost their hope. So leaving our house that day, I just remember thinking, okay, this is our new, this is our new journey. This is, I'm buckled up, I'm ready. And Scott and I left with Abby, and we just left our other three kids, knowing my parents were in flight from Arizona to take care of them. What is that? I mean, I had my brother, who's a bachelor, staying at my house. I'm like, Uncle John's got you. Giant guitar tattoo right here. Love him. I mean, if you saw my brother, you'd be like, he was in charge of your children. Yes. A one-year-old, two-year-old. Yeah. I'm like, there's going to be no rules. That's okay. Um, but we left because that's what we had to do. Her transplant was miraculously considered a success. They had prepared us for, she's going to be innovated. It could be a long time. Again, I look at all these little things throughout. We'd practice sign language so that she could communicate because we thought she'd be on a ventilator for a while. And we had a baby in the house. So we were doing it for, we had baby Einstein rocking all the time. So we were working on it for Audrey. And we were working on it for Abby so that we could be able to communicate. Well, she gets out of the transplant and she's, like, let's read Nikki, the American Girl Doll Store book. I'm like, okay. I mean, she wasn't chipper, but she was talking. And they had her up and walking. And I just thought, I can't even believe 
what God can do. And what was amazing to me is how many of the doctors and nurses we were with that were 110% faith. They said, medicine is an art, but it is what we do, we can only do through him. And I had grown up with my oldest brother being a doctor, and he did not have that philosophy. <laughs> so I was so impressed by these amazing medical personnel that believed that it was God that was giving us that time. That was God that was helping. Dr. Feltus was the first one to say when she was injured that there's no, he was not the only man in that hospital room. He could not explain why she lived that day at the pool. There was much more at hand. And that's where God gave us that time and took us on that journey to turn us towards him. Our time in Omaha was really rough. It was up and down. Scott and I had worked out a deal. The theory was I was in Omaha and he was at home unless it was something bad. I'm sure he got dizzy going back and forth because when I needed him, he would get on a plane and he would come. And we were blessed to have a community that supported us and people just gave us their miles. I mean, Grace was eight years old. She flew independently so she could come be with us. I look at that, I'm like, okay, my third daughter's eight. There's no way I would let her get on a plane by herself. But Grace was like, I want to come and be with Abby this weekend. Okay. So she just, they would take her to the, I, I don't know. I, it's what God gives you, and it's how he got us through that time, and it's how he got us where we are today. Um. Our time in the hospital, it always seemed that she would have a good day on Wednesdays, which kind of random, but I always got to go to the Mass of Adoration of Mary at church or at the hospital, and that was great because I had this new connection with Mary because she was the mom, and I needed that, and I was like, okay, you went through it all. So when you played that yesterday, that was really mean because that's really hard for me. Mary and I are kind of tight, um, but uh, I just looked at that as what she had endured. And I remember the first week we were in the hospital asking the nurses, where can I find the nearest church? I think they looked at me like I was crazy. You're in Omaha. Just walk any direction. <laughs> Hello. Um, and I, I remember going to church that first week, and it was the Mass of the Holy Family. And probably not my best Catholic moment because the priest was talking about how you don't need a village to raise your children. It's your job. I was a wreck. I'm like, I just left three children at home. Said village, love them, take care of them. I'm like, this isn't going to work for me. I'm sure they're like, what's wrong with the lady we don't know in the fifth row <laughs> because she's kind of a wreck. Um, but we did have a village that took care of our children. And we were so blessed to have a newfound community in Omaha. Again, my godparents happened to be in Omaha. He's a deacon. So he would come by. He looks like Santa. He's awesome. And he'd pray. And he'd see Abby. And I mean, Joe and Judy are like, they're Santa and Mrs. Santa, you know? And I could have been anywhere. I just happened to be in Omaha. And I happened to be in a place where every time you turned on the radio, there wasn't anything but Christian radio. 
I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to learn some Christian songs. Thank God. I mean, I look at our life now. You walk in, you hit the home button, it's KTIS. Like, that's, that's, our, that's our wheelhouse. That's, I look at Grace, is 14. She listens to whatever during the day. But every night, she goes to sleep listening to KTIS. That wasn't her life seven years ago. Um, and that was our, our link. We all love music. And that's how God was talking to us. Before he could find us in any other avenue, he's like, well, I can talk to those tailors through music. They'll listen to that. And it was right, because that was what we needed. Um, on March 15th, which was the anniversary of my brother's passing, I kept thinking, there's no way something bad can happen. Right? It's, it's that day, right? And it was kind of a non-day in the hospital. But we'd already had the worst. Um, she'd had a huge uphill in that she was almost completely unhooked and going to too cool hospital school and walking around, having, you can't have sugar. She was eating, not a lot. She wanted meat. They weren't used to that. Um, they're used to children who had never eaten before. That's what most kids with short gut have. Like, they've never eaten solid food. So once Abby's allowed food, she's like, can I have some meat? They said, how about five goldfish? <laughs> that didn't go over that well. Um, but she had made huge strides and hadn't seen her younger sisters or grandma and grandpa or Uncle John since she'd been in the hospital. Scott had been back and forth. Grace had been back and forth. Um, but we had planned for Valentine's Day. Everybody was going to come visit, and it was going to be awesome. Uh, that day, she, she had testing every four days. I mean, all the time, but big testing every four days. And super nurse, as we called her, said, Katie, I want you to look at her scan. And I knew immediately when I looked at her scan, it wasn't what I wanted to see. She had spots on her pancreas. I'm like, what are those spots? Hoping she was going to say it wasn't what it was. She said, we need to go in. She hadn't been in surgery for, like it was a record. We were on like two weeks out of the OR because she had 17 surgeries while she was there. I'm talking big surgeries, numerous little surgeries. So they were boarding a plane to come visit and I called Scott and I said, I just want you to know we have to go back in tonight. They're going to hold her out of surgery until you guys get here so she can see you. And he said, is it bad? I said, it's not good. But we won't know until they go in. So they kept her, and we just waited until Frick and Frack and Grace and Uncle John and Scott and Grandma came in, and everybody loved on Abby and held her hands, and she went into surgery, and at that point, she had been up on the peds floor. She never returned to the peds floor. She went back to the ICU. And um, they found out that she had, after everything she'd gone through, she um, got lymphoma, like a lymphoma you get from transplant, which is, you know, that 3% thing on the bottom of the chart that you don't even look at that they say could happen. But you're like, well, that's not, like, I look at all these risks, and that really wasn't on my radar. But, so, at that time, I look, again, 
the fact that everybody got to talk to her and love her, but she never got to go back to the peds floor. Then we started down a slow descent. She started chemo on March 2nd. My parents were there. It was my mom's birthday. I thought, Mom, thank you for coming. And we just sat, and they started chemo, and we played cards, and we sat there with Abby. <sighs> it's Grace's birthday on March 19th. Scott wanted to come, and I said, I don't want Grace in the hospital on her birthday. They had told us on March 17th that they were asking us to sign a, a DNR, that they had gotten to know her, and they knew that it would be just as hard for them as it would be for me to see. And that was my first time. I was like, oh, we, were, we had made such progress, and she had gone through so much. And we had prayed, and we were reading through the Bible, and we were... We were clinging to everything. And that's when Scott said, I want to come. And I said, no. You guys can leave to come here on the morning of the 20th. You are not, she's not coming here. I have your parents over, have her birthday dinner. Um, two of my best friends came and we washed Abby's hair on the 19th and we did her toenails and loved on her and read scripture and on the morning of the 20th Scott and Grace started driving our way and we all snuggled with her and loved her and then she went to be with Jesus and Scott had said the night before that he had told her it was okay to go and he she didn't have to wait for him and I know he said that He's so glad he was there because he had thought, you know, don't do anything crazy if I'm not there yet. She's in charge of everything. She wasn't going to go without him being there. Um, she's kind of a spitfire. Um, but I look at that and I look at the fact that I got to be with her when she came into this world and I got to be with her when she left this world. And I look at our oldest Grace, and the fact that she just wanted to lay in bed with her and stay there all night. She's like, we don't have to go anywhere. Can't we just stay? And it got to a point where I'm like, honey, I think we need to go. Actually, I didn't leave. Um, but Scott and Grace left after hours. And so began our life dealing with grief. And looking back at that time, and I remember people saying, how can you do this? And I said, I don't, I mean, it was a blur. I did it because I had three other children and a husband, and I did it because she was, I thought I was a pretty good mom before, and in, to honor her, I wanted to be that same mom for the rest of my children. And I did it because God gave me the strength to do it, I remember our doctor and Dr. Botha said, say everything, say it all. And we just talked to her and she was a gift and she came into this world with a little medical help. <sighs> Sadly, she left the world with just not enough medical help. But then I finally realized several years later in BSF in the study of John, 
because I was really struggling with pruning. <sighs> Who wants to be pruned, really? I don't want to go through struggles <laughs> to get better. <laughs> and um, she kept saying, you know, it brings you closer to God, and I was just struggling. And then I thought of all the healings that Jesus did and all these miracles that he could do. And it finally clicked. He did heal her. He healed her in his way. Her body couldn't be here anymore. So he healed her the way he could. And that was to bring him with him. And that is not the healing that we prayed for, and not the, pre- the healing that our whole community prayed for, but it is the best healing you can get. And watching that video yesterday, and every time I hear Mercy Me, I cry because she danced. She totally danced for Jesus, no doubt, if you knew her, for sure. She's still dancing. Um, and that's where I know he did what he could, and he listened to our prayers. And that's why I'm kind of starting to get it a little more every day. I didn't want to be pruned. It's really hard. But I look at the gifts that God has given me and the ability to be with other people that are walking this journey, which stinks, to hold their hand, to sit, to love, to pray. And that's what God has given me. He's given me an appreciation. I don't use it all the time. We all mess up like 25,000 times a day. But an appreciation of what a gift our kids are. Even when they're whining or shouting at each other. But they're a gift. And enjoy it. And love it. Because that's what God gave us. And I look at my God moments are things that some people used to say, well, that's a coincidence, you know. Wow, you know, there's so many parallels throughout my life. But it all happened because God was trying to get me to where I am. And I still have a long way to go. Because he's got a purpose and a plan for me. And every day I got to figure out what that is. And every day I'm maybe trying a little more. (laughs) But I'm still missing a lot. And that's why I'm here. Abby had figured out her purpose. And... That's why she got to go be with him. And I know we'll be together again someday. I'm not sure if I'm going to dance like she did, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be happy to be there. Thank you.